0: This is On The Grid, powered by talk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone, welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com and the radio show limited network of channels everywhere and anywhere around the world. Krause here, filling in the big chair again for Tony Shibecki for another week, and what a week to do it. We've had Formula One cars at the bend. No, really, that's a thing that's happening. And the Supercars Championship properly fire up and bringing back the biff. So there's plenty for us to take in. Coming up on the show, impressive young gun Hunter McElroy joins us to discuss his ascent on the road to Indy in the United States. And later on, we'll have Chad Nalon join Mark Walker and myself to bring down all the key issues surrounding supercars and a whole heap more. Today's show is busier than all the Google searches of What is an alpha Tori on Monday morning? So let's get stuck into it with the news.
1: This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com
0: Shane Van Gisbergen has won the final two races of the weekend's Townsville Super Sprint to cement himself in fifth in the Supercars Championship. The victories were the first of the campaign for the Kiwi this year and also brought up the 200th win for Triple Eight Racing. Van Gisbergen's win in Sunday's final race was particularly remarkable. Starting in 12th position, before taking the lead with just three laps remaining.
2: Oh man, what an awesome race! Uh, had a great car and got stuck in the first stint, and it's going to be interesting trying to get back to the podium. But the safety car worked out perfectly, and big battle at the end. Tried to do the th- team thing to help Jamie, but um, awesome. But uh, didn't say it earlier. I forgot. But uh, happy Father's Day to Dad. There's another one for you, mate. Yeah, well, it was our benefit yesterday. We hurt yesterday, no tyres, and used them up today, and worked out really cool with some fun racing and good battles. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Cheers.
0: Scott McLaughlin left the Townsville Super Sprint with a 143-point lead atop the Drivers' Championship, claiming the weekend's other race on Saturday. However, the championship leader wasn't impressed with the passing move executed on him by Holden Pear Van Gisbergen and Jamie Winkup in race 24, describing it as pretty average. McLaughlin's lack of tyre grip cost him the lead to Van Gisbergen at the death, but he later stated he would have preferred to race against Winkup for second place separately.
2: Yeah, great call by the team to get us out on front. I think if we didn't have the safety car, we uh, might have been a real good shot. I think we were looking after our tyres there, but uh, yeah, safety car happened, I was just hanging on, but um, oh, Shane's playing the team game there and, and he's made plenty of clean passes there over the, over the years and... Uh, that was pretty average, just a big, uh, big push-off at the end there. So, uh, yeah, I get he playing the team game, but it would have been nice to have a bit more of a fair battle. Pierre
0: Gasly has become the first Frenchman to win a Formula 1 Grand Prix since Olivier Panis in 1996, claiming victory from Carlos Sainz in an eventful race at Monza. The AlphaTauri driver's win comes a year after he was demoted from Red Bull's primary team, while well, the race was the first since 2012 that neither Ferrari, Red Bull or Mercedes-AMG finished on the podium. Gasly was pushed all the way by Saints and was naturally ecstatic with his maiden triumph. Charles Leclerc, meanwhile, has admitted fault for the high-speed crash that ruled him out of the Italian Grand Prix and caused a red flag on lap 23. With teammate Sebastian Vettel having already retired with brake problems, Monza saw Ferrari's first double retirement at their home event since 1995. Leclerc was grateful to escape the incident without injury, having lost control of his car accelerating out of the Parabolica. Meanwhile, Ferrari will look to bounce back from their horror performance at this weekend's Tuscan Grand Prix at Mugello in what will be their 1,000th Formula 1 race. Ferrari will become the first team to reach the milestone, with Vettel and Leclerc's cars to feature a darker red livery in homage to their 1950 cars. Ferrari holds both title sponsorship and owns the circuit at Mugello. We'll have a small crowd on hand to celebrate and support the team. Aussie Dylan O'Keefe will this weekend become the first Australian to drive in the FIA World Touring Car Cup. O'Keefe will drive with Vukovic Motorsport in a Renault at Zolder in Belgium for the opening round of the season. O'Keefe races for Gary Rogers Motorsport in Australia, but with the local TCR season suspended until at least November, O'Keefe will now have the opportunity to race abroad. To two wheels, Jonathan Ray has extended his lead at the top of the World Superbikes Championship with a win in the final race at Aragon in Spain. Ray's Kawasaki finished ahead of Ducati pair Michael Rinaldi and Scott Redding, the five-time champion extending his lead to 37 points with three rounds remaining. Well, the Ben Classic has established itself as a player on the national motorsport event scene. The second annual running of the event in South Australia at the weekend, a roaring success. 76 entries fronted, all of them from South Australia, given current border restrictions. The field included 10 Grand Prix machines and cars spanning 10 decades of racing. Culminating in a top 10 shootout for the fastest cars, the event was won by Sam Sheehan driving a 1989 Dallara Formula 1 car, while ex-supercars pilot Josh Keane smashed the Ben’s West Circuit lap record in his footwork arrows earlier in the day. On the grid, caught up with a happy winner and promoter following the podium on Sunday. Sam Shehen, the Ben Classic came back bigger and better than ever in 2020 and you've won it. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Uh, I'm just absolutely thrilled. So many happy people, so many happy faces uh, this weekend. It's just uh, an outstanding uh, show of support for motorsport uh, in Australia and in South Australia. Uh, the open uh, park and view was uh, magnificent color everywhere. Happy faces, happy people everywhere. It's just makes your heart makes your heart just all warm and
0: fuzzy. Oh, put your event hat off for a second and talk to me as a Formula One driver. <laughs> you went two seconds quicker in the shootout than you'd ever been in that car. It was an incredible lap at the end of the day.
1: Uh, I had no right to build a uh, minute thirteen, uh, and I didn't. I really didn't feel I had it in me. I told uh, the guys that uh, I'm uh, if, if I crack a fifteen flat, I think that's what I've got in me. Uh, and the, the car, uh, we destroyed half the gearbox uh, yesterday so the, the boys from BRM rebuilt second gear and we lost third gear early in the day and lost fourth gear uh, in the first uh, class shootout so it was just jumping from from those gears into neutral. So uh, it, it, it behaved except for one corner but uh, I gripped my teeth on a couple of turns, turn 5 flat and uh, turn 4 almost flat in fourth gear which is it's just, it's just these open wheelers. I just, I get it. I get open wheeler racing. Mm. I get it. It's taken many years, but I get it. Uh,
0: unfortunately, Josh broke on his shootout lap. He was angling for a nine there. The progress on the West Circuit has been fantastic. Yeah. It's really interesting to see the development of that. But also, it, it's a bit of a leveller, that track. It takes out some of the aero yeah. stuff that means some cars, yeah. the gd
1: gt 3 are a bit closer than yeah. they otherwise might yeah. be. I think we've unearthed a gem this weekend. Mm. That we've always known the West Circuit w- was a gem, uh, but we, it hasn't had this kind of uh, level of competition. And you're absolutely right, it is a great leveller uh, Josh was the absolute standout. He, he was really robbed out of that. When he deserved it, he was the class act. Uh, he built it at, at, at 10 flat earlier, which is just astonishing. That's five seconds faster than the track record. Mm. Uh, and uh, just unfortunately, these guys are just so finicky. But he's a, an absolute gentleman. It's been a, an absolute pleasure uh, to just uh, sit in the garage next to him and his great man, Chris uh, Chris Keane what, a, what, a, what, a, what an asset they are to this state and they bring always so generous they bring everything to to an event like this so um, I'm very 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 disappointed for Josh uh, he's, a, he's a class act and I'm sure he'll be back next year uh, but uh, yeah what a weekend. Is your brother going to go and buy a Formula One car now that you've beaten him? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, my, my brother is the most competitive person <laughs> on the planet that I know uh, so yes, I, I think if he hasn't put an order in, uh, it will be coming by Monday morning. Uh, he, he he drove. I think he drove almost every session. He's mm. uh, he drove uh, brilliantly in the open wheeler and in the in the tin top. Uh, he's an incredibly talented driver, far more talented than I am. Uh, and uh, yeah, it just uh, I'm sure he'll he'll come back and uh, want to take it off. Uh, so fantastic, brotherly love. Yeah speak? Tune the Delara up for next year. And finally, this event, um,
0: it feels like it's almost, if it can in two years, come of age a little bit with the, the diversity of the cars, um, like the historic sports sedans. We had 12 of those. The vintage cars were amazing. Th- this is growing into a staple for the Bend Motorsport Park.
1: Yeah, this is a festival of motorsport. Uh, and, uh, you know, from day one, we've set out to be part of that community, uh, part of that uh, community in the state, in the country... And on a world stage, uh, so uh, it will come back bigger and better. Uh, we'll lock in the Father's Day weekend for next year to 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 to, to give uh, every every participant uh, plenty of uh, advanced warning. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I, I've made no secret of my ambition to establish the Bend Classic as the Southern Hemisphere's equivalent of the Festival of Speed. Uh, why not? We should aim to have. The world's best events here, and mm. I think we've got the facility, we've got the support, and look at the turnout this uh, yeah. weekend. Everybody's come out uh, in great support, so uh, uh, I-, I could not be I could not be happier with uh, the prospect of making this a, a-, a global event. My takeout is that there's been a lot of talk about
0: F1 in Adelaide in the last week, but at the end of today, we had. Two amazing Formula One cars with tyre warmers, getting ready for a qualifying shootout. We've already got it here. It's
1: amazing. Well, I, I was just missing the uh, two screens, the drop out in front of me. We can I arrange mean, uh, that for know, next year. I, I, it's it, it. It felt. I mean, it felt like a like a serious uh, race weekend. Mm. Uh, you know, fun is fun, but the cars, all the cars here today, command respect. You you cannot. You know, once you put a helmet on, you've got a be on your, on your on your best behaviour. And they were driven like that too. And they were absolutely driven to 10 today. Mm. I think everybody had a, had a go. There's a lot of camaraderie, but everybody was super competitive. And that's what you want to see. Uh, and I, uh, you know, there are uh, reportedly uh, uh, 30 or 40 Formula One cars in Australia. Uh, closed borders this year meant that this is the South Australian contingent. I mean, would you believe yeah. that everything here... Was from South Australia. Mm. So uh, uh, next year, I look forward to 30 Formula One cars, I look forward to 200 plus entries, and I look forward to making this uh, uh, the envy uh, and the aspiration of any uh, uh, motorsport festival around the world.
0: We're there 24 7 as Australia's number one truck insurer. We're there to provide mobile plant and equipment operators with industrial strength protection. We're there to provide roadside assistance and insurance to truck owners, no matter what, no matter where. We're there to protect marine customers by providing solutions that cover their world. We're there as NTI, Australia's specialist insurer. All right. Very excited to talk to our first guest on the show this week, joining us all the way from the USA. He's one of our rising stars from this part of the world. He's taking on the road to Indy. And I think in a couple of years, he'll be in the Indy 500 because it turns out he's got a bit of an affinity with that place. We'll come to that in a minute. On the other end of the line, all the way from Wisconsin in the States is Hunter McIlray. G'day Hunter. Hey mate. How are you? Mate. I'm really well. It's great to see you. Great to talk to you. Thanks for jumping on board. Uh, what a crazy year for you to decide to go back to the States and have another crack at this road to Indy. You, you certainly pick your years, mate.
2: Yeah. It's uh, I think for everyone, it's been such a wild year just with the circumstances going on globally with the pandemic. But uh, I was just, like I was saying before, you know, for me, luckily um, I'm in a country where they're pressing on regardless. I mean, it's obviously there's the the limitations and things like that, but, Uh, I think Road to Indy and IndyCar have done an awesome job letting us get a season in, Uh, even though it's probably not like the usual season. I'm still getting to do a lot of racing and learn a lot and just keep living the dream and and, uh, chasing the dream too. So it's been been interesting, definitely. But I think the fact that I can say I've been able to have a season so far to this point anyway, and, and it's looking positive to round it out for the year, not many people can actually say that um, around other parts of the world. So I'm pretty grateful for that.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll come to this season in a minute, but I, mean, I remember standing on a hill at Wakefield park, watching you in a Sonic formula four, what three years ago. So this has been quite a rapid journey for you. Just reflect on this path that you've been on this roller coaster for the last couple of years to end up at this point now.
2: Yeah, it's, it, it's, it has, I mean, it's funny, like it doesn't seem that long ago. Um, I was in Formula Ford. You know, it's for me that was definitely the biggest. I I would say in terms of like from being completely a rookie mm-hmm. to to working towards becoming a professional race car driver and in my case an Indy car driver, um, which I still haven't got to yet. But the most I developed was definitely in Formula Ford. You know, racing with Sonic, it was it was awesome. You know, I I spent a little bit of time did a few rounds in a privateer car, which, you know, it definitely wasn't the fastest car by any means. And um, I, I would like to say I maximized that. And then going into the Sonic Formula Ford was like cheating in mm. a way, you know, the, <laughs> in, term, in terms of pace. Yeah. Um, it was just so good. And for me, like I always, the way I kind of sum up my time at Sonic was just, I was always in the back of my mind grateful that I was driving their Formula Ford because it was just so awesome to, to appreciate you know what goes into those cars and and just to not have to worry about not having the quickest car that that was amazing you know um, I was still making a lot of mistakes in other areas but pace wasn't a problem at that point um, and then you know like I said like you said three years ago in 2017 was my first full in at National Series and I won a bunch of races got a bunch of poles but made a lot of Little errors just pushing too hard, and young guy cold tires, thing like things like that, but um twenty eighteen was a pretty special year for me. I came back and raced in the national series in, in the Australian National Ford Series and was able to dominate that and then I went on to get the scholarship shootout ticket for the two hundred thousand dollar scholarship from Mazda to race in u s a two thousand um and how that works for someone who's not very familiar for it with that is that basically at the time it was a little program that it went for three years. So I was the last guy to win it in the last year that they did that program. And um, basically it was former four champions, some former four champions and, and other sort of junior open wheel champs from around the world. I think there was about 20 of us. We all go to Arizona and Phoenix uh, and, and we drive identical cars for two days and they basically had pick you. Uh, which, you know, the main thing definitely is in the car, but a lot of it is outside the car and how you conduct yourself with the Mazda executives and things like that. Uh, And I was able to win that too. Mm. So winning the scholarship shootout and the Australian Championship in Formula Ford and topping the two tests I did in USF 2000 that year was uh, couldn't really have done anything possibly more that season. So that was a really special year for me. And then last year was my first year competing in the States in US of 2000, which was again, really, really awesome year. Um, I fought for the championship all year long. Um, and I unfortunately came short just, I mean, literally due to a mechanical failure. I was leaving the championship right to the last race and then had a sensor fail, which meant I had to start last for the last race of the year. Mm. And then didn't have a chance to fire the front, which, which led to finishing second, but Overall, I mean, it was an amazing year, which has led into this year. You know, albeit it's been a little bit weird with coronavirus, it's been a a crazy year. You know, Indie Lights was cancelled, so I'm racing a bunch of Indie Lights guys as well, which has been awesome. You know, it's the I'm racing Indie Pro 2000, the next step on the on the road to Indy, and it's them to be racing in such a competitive field. I would say without a doubt. The most competitive Indy Pro field ever. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been an up and down year. There's, there's been a lot of development on my side, developing the cards, my team's first year in Indy Pro 2000, but we're making really big gains. Uh, and uh, it was a rough start to the year, but just a little bit of things out of my control. But now we're really coming on strong. You know, I'm coming off uh, a double podium weekend in Indianapolis. I think I've had, I've had four, four second place finishes now. So that first win is. Really, I can feel it coming, uh, but just got to keep working hard and, yeah, just hopefully see how we can finish this year off. I'm pretty sure I can finish it off really strong.
0: So for those listening that might not know your dad owns and runs McElroy Racing, Porsche crew Cup champions in GD 3 Cup Challenge as well last year. Um, so you and I have known each other for some time through Andy, but ever since I remember meeting you, you've been consistent in saying, I want to go to the States. I want to have a crack in IndyCar. What's been the lure of that series and that pathway as opposed to going to Europe like so many young drivers from this part of the
2: world do? I've always just loved open wheelers, firstly. I mean, I grew up watching, you know, Formula 1 and IndyCar and I've always just, can't really tell you why, but I've always just had a love for them. Something like about how pure it is. Um, uh, and you know, I've also grew up around Porsches and with my dad, like you said, owning a race team, I've been lucky enough to hang around the racetrack my whole life. Mm. Um, so I would say honestly, a little bit of why I always wanted to, 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 come over to the States is because I've always wanted to do my own thing. You know, I've been lucky enough that I haven't been, or well, put it this way. My dad probably pushed me away from being a race guy driver, if anything, not just because he knew how hard it was. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty lucky that I have the shot and yeah, I've just, I've always loved open wheelers, Like I said, and I watched Dixon win the 2008 Indy 500 and I thought, Oh, I can do that. Being eight years old, you're pretty, you're pretty ob- oblivious <laughs> yeah. to life's difficulties. I yeah. guess you would say, but, but um, yeah, I've just always, it's one of these things where it's like people ask me when I wanted to start driving, it wasn't like a defining period in time where i really thought you know what i'm gonna drive it was always like like you look at photos of me when i was literally two years old and i was like walking around my dad's helmet on looking like a bobblehead or <laughs> playing with cars or dressing up in race suits i've just always wanted to do it so mm-hmm. in a way i feel like it's cheesy but i definitely feel like i was born to do this um and me and my dad were talking about it the other day it's it's almost where I am right now. You know, I, I have uh, a, still a lot to do and a lot to achieve because uh, I want to achieve, you know, a lot more than I have right now. But even where I, what I have achieved right now, it's like, wow, who would have thought that, you know, I, I hoped and dreamed about it. But, you know, I'm so lucky to be over here chasing my dream and, you know, full-time like living and breathing, racing and having so much opportunity and, and companies and backers and people who believe in me giving me this opportunity to, to get to IndyCar, you know, race at tracks like Indianapolis. And it's just almost unbelievable. So I'm so Mm. grateful for that. And I'm going to keep pressing on.
0: Tell me about the process in trying to, Raise funds for this because I know you're extremely proactive in in going out and raising the backing. Um, how much of a challenge has that been and and do you get some enjoyment out of putting those deals together to enable you to go and chase that dream It's one of these things
2: where you know I would say it's without a doubt the hardest part of racing is finding that that support and for me you know i really I was really lucky to get onto the scene in America. And part of the reason why I love America is because there's so much opportunity over here Mm. compared to honestly, compared to Australia and New Zealand and even Europe, there's so much opportunity and you get rewarded for winning. Mm. Um, So the way I actually got on, got my foot in the door over here is literally from, like I said, winning the shootout and just winning my way here. Um, And part of the reason why I'm over here again this year, even though I didn't get the scholarship last year, is that... I was able to show that I could win championships and and I feel like I am a championship caliber driver. So, you know, it's difficult, but for me, I, I have a lot of really great backers, you know, Trap Group, Dorot New Zealand, really good sport from New Zealand. But, you know, I have, I have some great backers, particularly one backer who who really has believed in me and given me the shot to kind of show what I can do and, and follow me on this journey. So, it's all I can say is that it's it's uh, relationships that you build. You know, you'd be so surprised of, you know, who's watching and and I actually had a young kid in New Zealand reach out to me today asking how to get onto the road to Indy and and, wow. I, and what what the hardest part is. And I told him, you know, it was it the hardest part is getting the backing, no doubt. And it's it's one of these things. It's like that in all forms of motorsport. But I just told him that you know never give up. And it, I literally feel like not long ago at all I was racing around tracks like you said Wakefield Park and things like that um and now I'm here racing Indian and and Laguna Seca and Road America and just you never know what relationships you have right now and people who are watching you just never know so um although it's very difficult it's never impossible so as long as you kind of keep pushing I think it's uh, a lot that you can achieve
0: so you're what, 20 and you're already a role model to young kids coming through. That must be a bit surreal.
2: <laughs> Maybe not a role model, but oh, come if on. I can help, you know, like I'll, I, really like even <laughs> I really like helping out people where I can because I'm really lucky that I've had good connections through my dad mm. who have helped me a lot. You know, um, people who I looked up to growing up and still do now um, who have just given me little tidbits of advice. It it really like doesn't seem like much, but it goes a long way. So for me to be able to be on the the giving end of that advice, it's it's quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, whenever anyone reaches out to me, it's <laughs> a little bit flattering. But it's <laughs> like if I can help them anywhere, I would love to. So it's uh, it's really cool to see that.
0: Tell me about this season, mate. I know it's been a struggle, and you you touched on it before. And and it was a slow start, but as you said, you've had some real form. So four second place finishes, a couple at IMS last weekend, which is a really, really good result on the the road course at the Speedway. It must be cool to race at that joint. But also, just give me your thoughts going into the final two rounds, and and what are you targeting for the end of this year's championship?
2: Look, I mean, it's like you said, it's been a crazy year um the first round at road america i didn't finish either of the races and i was really annoyed because it's just no. how you know, I need to start a championship and so much work and effort is going to it to, to get here and when you start a championship like that it's not ideal so um there's that but you can't let emotions get in the way at the same time so i was able to work kind of hard and and basically long story short um Obviously, my team—they're they're rookie in the in the road to Indy. So sorry, they're rookie in Indy Pro 2000. So mm. there's been times where we've shown up, and there's been work to do um, with with setup, and there's been other times where we've been absolutely faster than anyone else. So as the season's gone on, generally speaking, we've got stronger and stronger and stronger, and um, yeah, the results are showing that. So right now, I'm sitting fifth in the championship, which you know I don't go on championships wanting to be sitting p5 but in saying that i'm racing guys who are in their fourth third year in indy pro 2000 guys who have came down from indy lights i'm racing guys who have come from fia f3 so the caliber of the field is immense and instead of last year in usf 2000 there was kind of like three guys you know although it's super tough right way tougher than anything in australia that i raced in mm. in usf 2000 it's multiplied by 10 in Indy Pro. There's just no room for mistakes. And, you know, I was P1 in practice at Indy last week. So I was thinking, you know, this will be good. I'm feeling really confident and qualifying rolled around. And we just missed, set up a tiny bit. And I was a 10th off and I was fifth. So if you're not 100% on your money and on, on the game and have everything, you know, all your ducks lined up, you're not going to win, nice. so it's a fun challenge. But um, the hard work that I, I've been putting in, the teams are putting in, it's paying off. Um, you know, our race, our race trim car. These are they're a lot longer races, so they're like 25 laps. Um, so tire wear comes into it, and a lot of different things come into it. You know, the cars have a lot more arrow, so you have massive air wash, um, and there's been a lot of things that I've had to kind of learn, which I didn't really expect would be such a big learning curve um, but you know over time it's kind of I, I would say right now we have probably one of the best race trim cars in terms of looking after tires and things like that which you know I've been able to have some really good races because the last half of the race I've just had such good tires other than me like I got my first over podium uh, which was a, one of the highlights so far this season was yeah. racing at Lucas Oil Raceway um, and I started sixth and it's a 5.8 for a mile boring, ring. So it's pretty impossible to pass because you run a high line against the wall. And the lower you go, the less grip you have. So going low to pass someone is very sketchy. Um, and yeah, I passed five, sorry. Yeah, past four cars. Uh, so that was super exciting. And to get my first over podium. And it's a really cool event because there's a lot of fans. Even in COVID, there was fans there. Um, so that was cool. But I would say for, for me right now, uh, the biggest thing that we're working on as a team so we can start winning a lot of races is just getting that last little bit out of the qualifying car because yeah. like I said, the race car is good, but in qualifying trim, we just need to go a little bit more aggressive on the setup, which I think we, we have that now with stuff that we've learned. Um, so we're going back to mid Ohio this weekend. We're back with the Indy cars, which is cool. And I'm, I'm feeling really confident because last year I swept both Poles and USF 2001. I uh, love that track. i got a podium there earlier in the year in USF, sorry, in Indy Pro. Um, and I think where we left Mid-Ohio, we started the weekend not really needed to be, but we left in a very good point Yeah, in, in the setup, I think. And I just missed out on the win actually in the last race. I closed a massive gap and then just ran out of laps at the end. So with what we've learned the last couple of rounds, plus even just from that event alone uh, I'm feeling really happy and and confident um, and optimistic. I think in a way, not, not really optimistic. Actually, it's the wrong word. I don't don't like to think I'm an optimistic guy because my dad likes me to be realistic. So um, I think realistically, it's a really good opportunity for me to go win some races. You know, I I think everyone who knows me knows how bad I want to win and you know, how consistently I've been on the podium now, I think we're very close. So at the same time, I'm not fixated on the result. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and keep trying to get better and keep Max Byers in the car. And I think uh, the rest will handle itself.
0: I love the comment about realism, mate, because uh, you're a McElroy having driven for Sonic. They're the two most realistic teams (laughs) that I know that that beat some realism into their drivers. So I'm not surprised you've got that approach.
2: (laughs) Yeah, between my dad and Mick, I've had my fair share of uh, speeches given to me. Yeah. So, um, yep. I yeah. love it. So reality is definitely always never far.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, so obviously, end of this year, try and grab a couple of wins. What What's the plan? I know it's a long way to go, and you've you've got a lot of things to do. But what's the plan for twenty one? Do you go around again in? indie pro do you have a crack at indie lights what's the the long-term vision as it sits now
2: it's it's too early to tell i think even though we are in september i've still got mid-ohio this weekend then i have a triple header at new jersey and then i have another event at saint pete so oh mate you can win the championship it's not it's not done yet (laughs) right races races wise Mm. i've still got a lot of races to go um So right now, all I'm really worried about is just going and maximizing these last races and giving it my all and hopefully going and winning a bunch of races. Um, I think I can do it. I think the team's capable of of doing it. Um, You know, they've given me a lot of belief and and given me a really good shot this year. Um, So I have had some interest from lights teams and things like that, Um, but... At this point, I'm 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 torn between going to Lights or doing another year. But a lot of that depends on on how these next races go. Um, I wouldn't be against doing another year of Indie Pro, um, but I, I also wouldn't be against doing Lights. You know, it's one of these things where it's very very hard decision to make. Uh, and again, I I haven't spent too much time thinking about it because of how much racing I've got left to do. So yeah. I would say realistically, realistically speaking, I would say, you know, the guy in P1 right now in the championship, I have to have a really strong finish to the year and he has to have a couple bad races. But, you know, considering some of the things out of my control that have, you know, caused me to have maybe not the result I've wanted and to be this much in the championship fight, you know, I'm well in the fight for second, third and fourth in the championship. Um, So if I can... If I can finish, you know, at least, and I would like to think in the top three. I mean, I'm not thinking result. I just if I can go win a bunch of races, there's no reason why I can't be fine. But development wise, for me, I think there's uh, there's still a lot of things to do that I'd like to check off my list. Um, because there's two things about going into lights. You need to be with Andretti because mm. they've won the last five championships. I know that they're, it, for me, put it this way. For me, I think that if I was in the right car and lights, I could ch- contest the championship. But sure. for me to have, be in the position to do that, I think I might have to do another year in the pro. You know, mm. I, I, there's opportunities with other teams, but I'd love to do it with Andretti. Um and to do that, I think I'd need to definitely win the shootout. Sorry, win the scholarship from Indy Pro. So yeah, yeah. whether whether I, you know, if I have a really strong end of this year, like I think I will, finish in the top three of the championship and and top rookie, um, and then that projects into next year, going and winning the the Indy Pro Championship to move up to lights. Who knows? Um, mm. But right now, I'm honestly with the way this year, how crazy <laughs> it's been. I'm just thinking about you know in the present so yeah. Uh, good, good question yeah mm. good question yeah. but um that's probably my honest you know me i'm pretty honest and that's yeah, mate. the honest answer is is that uh i think i could definitely be winning races and lights next year but um maybe the best thing for my career will be determined how this championship goes sure
0: so. no no good answer like it uh mate we really appreciate your time it's great to catch up my last question when you win your first IndyCar race and they roll out the old national anthem <laughs> at the end, what one do you go for? Because you you were born in the <laughs> USA, so you, you're born in California. The Americans so love this. Yeah, yeah. You've got a US passport, to Kiwi parents, and you grew up in your early early days in NZ. But you're based in technically in Australia on the Gold Coast. So, what one do you roll out, mate? I'm sure you get asked this a lot as well. Knowing how American yeah. journalists work, I'm sure yeah. they ask you this all the time.
2: This is my like. When I'm like, I'll literally be winning a race or something, and yeah, and Rob Howden is the commentator, yeah. in the road to India. They call him the voice of the road to Indy and yeah. he loves this. He loves talking about this because the first time I like came over the scene over here, yeah. everyone was like, "Where are you from?" But the the answer is New Zealand. You know, yeah. I've I've represented New Zealand my whole career, and yeah. I, I'm proud of that. I've got a bunch of loyal New Zealand sponsors and uh you know i've i would say i'm really proud to have grown up in australia and i'm really proud to be born in america but you know i'm definitely a new zealander with what kind of new zealand motorsport you know the support is new zealand motorsport itself or motorsport new zealand sorry itself just things it did for me in my junior years um well i'm still in my junior years but my younger junior years um like the elite academy and things like that I definitely benefited from, from that. So um, yeah, definitely New Zealander.
0: Well, mate, I look forward to you being the first winner of the Indianapolis 500 from Ashburton on the South Island. (laughs) Island There, I love it. Mate, um, been great to catch up. Good to see you. Good to talk. Um, It's awesome to be following your journey and, and seeing the rise through Australian Formula Ford and to the States and, to chase that IndyCar dream and I think you're timing it well because Scott Dixon's still going superbly strong but he's not going to be in there forever so I think when when Dixon decides to step away after eight championships or whatever he's going to win you'll just be in the right position to slide on in and pick up where he left off so we look forward to following that thanks for jumping in on the chat mate really appreciate it
2: thank you Krause it's uh, always a pleasure whenever Krause rings me up for a podcast <laughs> I'll always answer so thank you mate
0: Well, uh, we'll do that the week after you win the 500, mate. Lock that one in. (laughs) Hunter McElroy joining us all the way from the States here on The Grid.
1: This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com.
0: Well, great to hear from Hunter McElroy. He's a super young guy making waves in the States on the road to India and looking forward to an Indy 500 start and can confirm off air we spoke. We've got that exclusive first interview after he wins the Indy 500, we are first here on the grid. So we'll mark that one down for 2025 20, or 6. Um, couple of superstars to join me now. Mark Walker is back for another week. Mark, good afternoon, evening or morning, wherever you are.
3: I don't know either. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Very much so. Crossing uh, this is, feels a bit like a presser. We're, we're here in the commentary presser. I'm joined by two professionals, but uh, I did the pit lane commentary for the 2001 Queensland 500. So uh, think about that for a moment.
0: Now, hang on. Now, you were on Fox Sports for the of six hour for the last two years. Uh, whatever, mate. No, that's... that's Still counts. Serious yeah, we've, television. We've, yeah. we've all got
3: stuff going on, eh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I both the races. Uh, yeah, they were excellent. The other voice you can hear, folks, uh, we're delighted to have him in. And we should say Dale Rogers away this week. Uh, it's his daughter's birthday. So happy birthday to Dale's daughter. And he's doing the dad thing and celebrating that. Uh, having done the dad thing and fed the kid, um, we're joined by the voice of Supercars. And this year's Supercars press conferences done online. It's Chad Nylon for the first time on the grid. G'day, mate.
4: It is my first time on the grid.
0: It is. What's with that? I
4: feel like, um, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller for real this time. <laughs> I feel like all the contributions I've made, though, to uh, the power rankings over the last couple of years, I, I don't feel like a first-time caller.
0: We appreciate your input. And they get the occasional text message every now and then saying, hot, <laughs> dot, dot, not, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> we, we like it. We appreciate it. and And your fandom of the Simpsons meme of the week is also greatly appreciated.
4: Yeah, it's pretty much what I get up for out of it. I was slightly <laughs> disappointed that the rankings came out so late today. I understand why after I had a look because it was like the longest one ever. Yeah. But it's a bit of a Tuesday morning ritual for me to have the coffee and sit in the backyard and go through it. So yeah. I was a bit, a bit disappointed this morning. I'm well, putting we, that straight in the not section.
0: Yeah, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, we'll roll that into the one after the first tale and end. <laughs> yeah, we, we turns out we all had a bit on and it just didn't get turned around. And then um, Tickford went and released, you know, the sequel to The Notebook, the most emotional thing that's ever been recorded. So we felt like that needed to have its have its space. <laughs> that
4: is was brilliant. The sequel to the Notebook, now, Notebook Two: The Tickford Story.
0: Now, to be honest, I haven't seen the Notebook, but I'm told it's very emotional. Um, and if it's, half, <laughs> if it's half of as emotional as that video Tickford put out on Monday night Australian time, um, it must be something. That was an incredible bit of. I mean, it's PR, sure, but it's more than that. It, the, the message behind it and, and the thanks that we've all got for these teams that have committed so much is pretty remarkable. I, that's one of the better pieces of Supercars content, I think, that's been produced this year. Would you agree? Absolutely. Uh, I think
3: the problem is that it's going to be up against Todd Kelly. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is an unfortunate <laughs> fight that we've put ourselves <laughs> Lex in. Kelly, yeah.
4: Wait, wait wait Lakes Kelly. Kelly's yeah. bringing videos. They're going to be very good.
0: Yeah. I mean, Todd's been a star anyway with all the engine building stuff at the start of the year and the on-the-road tour. And then Lex lifted it to another gear and then Tick <laughs> jealous of a five-year-old, went, no, no, we'll, uh, we'll take it on. Um, let's look back on the Just weekend. On I'll, give, I'll
2: give
4: Tickford Tom a quick shout-out there, Krause, because yep. um, I've got a young fella making their video content. Uh, he moved down from Albury where he did a little bit of the stuff with the BJR guys up there. Remember the Tim Slade's really cool livery reveal from a couple of years ago where they're doing donuts in the paddock? That was all. Tom, and he was doing it after high school, like yeah. crazy, crazy talent. So uh, watch out for what he's going to get up to. He's going to be the next Spielberg, that kid.
0: Yeah, and full credit to Mitch, at that, that team as well, for doing yeah. a super job on their PR. It's very good. Um, Townsville 2.0, boys. Um, gee, we've got some needle back in the championship, don't we? Um, the first two rounds back in Sydney were all friendly and lovely being back at work, and everyone was nice and good for the sport. And then Darwin, we started to tee off a little bit, but... back to old school, hard touring car racing now with everyone crashing into each other and team play and name calling. And it's exactly, Mark, what we've needed and wanted.
3: Yeah. Bring back the niggle. And it it feels like the end of last year. I mean, let's think about it. We've only got three rounds to go. They've Mm -hmm. got to get it done now. Like it is starting to get to crunch time. Scotty McLaughlin still won the weekend. He actually expanded his points lead, uh, even though Van Gisbrug threw for his first two wins of the year. There's a lot of little storylines going on throughout. and. Obviously, that uh, drama at the end of the third race there, uh, that that was big. And it got everyone talking. Everyone was up and about on the Twitter. And that's what we need. We need a bit of mm. chat. And it continued in the presser and on the podium too. It was fantastic. Did you yeah. enjoy the press conference, Chadley?
4: I was sitting right where I'm sitting right now. Uh, it was the most awkward Zoom chat <laughs> I've ever been on.
0: <laughs> that's we, something. We
4: opened it up to fan questions and one of the punners put through the question, Jamie, can you elaborate on the one plus one comment? And he he shot that straight back down like he didn't want to talk about it anymore. And so it was just this awkward silence. And then I was like, Scott, do you want to talk about it? And unsurprisingly he wasn't so open to chatting about it. I was like, right, well, this has been fun. But it was um it was exactly what I thought it was going to be like. How often you get that scenario because usually when there's someone happy and someone unhappy one of them's in the fence and never at the press conference so it was a pretty rare scenario to have three players who are in a battle together in the press conference together weirdly in a zoom chat together very Mm. 2020 Um, and so you couldn't not talk about the elephant in the room
3: for mine when Van Giz was coming up on Scotty I just thought to myself he has nothing to lose here if he just puts Scotty in the fence Who cares? He's got no points. He's got no real investment in what's going on. It would help out Jamie. Uh, Obviously he ran a bit wide. He ran Scotty wide, but there was nothing malicious in it. There was nothing wrong with it. There was nothing illegal in it. If you look at the high indoor race on the weekend, that move happened 50 times and 50 (laughs) (laughs) cars were put in fences. (laughs) (laughs) But there's still that feeling and niggle about it, uh, which is cool. And, 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 Shane didn't fence him. So that was, uh, that was mm. nice of Shane. He could have fenced him, but he didn't. Um, I found the funny thing was that Shane taking points off Jamie. Did anyone else find that odd? Mm.
4: Uh, I think it was a race win to go for. I, I don't even think that they're thinking too much about that. And we asked Jamie, was there any chat about him letting you through towards the end, even though that's technically legal. Um, And that was never the plan. Yeah, he took points off Jamie, but Jamie, as a result, was able to take points off Scott. So ultimately, that's the thing that matters, I guess. And in the team's battle, it was a one-two.
0: It's an ominous sign though, boys, isn't it? For, For the rest of the series that Shane has now got some form. And it's been an oddly up and down year for him. And you just go back through the results. There was a third, the opening race of the season. Came back with a second in the first race back in Sydney. But since then, it's been all over the place, but genuinely hasn't had pace at several of these rounds so to slam home a couple of quite emphatic race victories and a really tough circuit building towards the end of the year Shane could be Jamie's best mate in terms of this championship fight with Scott McLaughlin but that brings up another point and it's the one v two car team comment Jamie's not wrong there because right now the Shell v power racing team they're a one car team at least in terms of racing for victories triple eight's got two bullets in the gun against scott mclaughlin i mean he wasn't he wasn't trying to stir the pot there he was speaking facts i thought
4: yeah and like scotty said in the presser uh it'd be good to have a friend there in those situations Mm. a little bit of a a rear gunner of sort absolutely we saw in Darwin there was a little bit of a glimpse there of fabian getting some of that speed back um and it's it's weird how it's such a touchy subject as well like it's I think it's because it's, it's not footy. It's a slightly more niche sport compared to a big mainstream thing like cricket. But when people have a bad year or a bad performance, they really dislike people talking about it. Mm. Uh, man, if this was AFL, <laughs> <like> <laughs> the, the claws would be out when it comes to car 12 at the moment.
0: Well, it's a, premier, it's a premiership side finishing 15th, Chad. That's, isn't yeah. it like you're in a car that can win the championship?
3: Well, since, since he was on the podium on the Sunday morning race in Hidden Valley, he's been, the, the second Hidden Valley, he's been 5th, 10th, 4th, 11th, 4th, 15th, 17th, 7th, 20th and 8th. You know, 7th, 20th and 8th that last weekend, it's not good enough, is it?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, like I said, it's it's a really hard thing to talk about, For and I don't even know why that is, but um, maybe it's because we're so connected and everyone is really close in the paddock and you need to be able to go and look at these guys in the face and, and do an interview in the following week. It, it makes it really tough to point the finger and say exactly what you just said, that the, the results are at the moment aren't good
0: enough. I think you're right there, Chad. It, it, there's so much focus on the individual, though. It's a team sport, and we all know that, and we live and breathe the team aspect of it and know the people behind the scenes. But ultimately, whereas a football team is the blokes running over the line and contributing together to win a game even though the team has such an involvement in a race victory, ultimately all of the limelight is on the bloke behind the wheel. So yes. I, I think that's why it becomes a little bit more touchy because it's, it becomes a little bit personal because if you say to Fabian, mate, you're not performing, Fabian may be driving better than he ever has. We don't know. There could be yeah. something else behind the scenes that's causing all this to, to go on and and not to have that car 12 to his liking. So it's a strange one. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of other chaps with you two because I thought what Chaz Mostert's achieved over the last 12 races the last month has been really impressive and I think it validated that early season form that he brought to WAU and it feels like to me that they've made genuine strides in terms of pace. Chad, would you agree with that?
4: Yeah, um, I think we haven't really seen the tracks that would hurt that car a lot. Mm. Uh, Chaz mentioned in a press conference I, can't, I think it might have been Townsville 1 or 2, either way, uh, that these are circuits that historically play well to the cars that, uh, to the cars that he's driving. So the walk-inshaw cars go well on street circuits, we all know that. So they always went well at Adelaide, they always went well at Sandown because it's a little bit of a 90-degree turn here and square there sort of track. Um, so Townsville was always probably going to suit that car. I think tail and Bend, if he goes well there on a mm. big, long, aero-style circuit like a Phillip Island where those walk-inshaw cars haven't gone well, if he goes well there, then, then yeah, absolutely. They're looking pretty good.
3: So after two townswalls, he had three second-place finishes, a fourth and a fifth. Mm. It's not bad, is it? So, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and even Bryce showed form at times. So uh, I think mm-hmm. the signs are good there. And if he's got that rear gunner, you know, helping with the data and the setups, that can only help their progress yeah, and, moving forward.
4: And Chaz is really enjoying the mentor role, which is strange for him because Frosty was his mentor at Tickford and now he's taken on that role for Bryce, which is pretty cool. And I think he's relishing that sort of opportunity. Uh, the thing with Bryce that's unusual at the moment is he's putting the whole weekend together. Um, he's really quick in opening practice. Yeah. I saw that in Darwin, both of the Townsville events. He was top three or five cars in practice. Uh, and then in qualifying, he's pretty good at one lap speed. And he just starts to fall away a little bit throughout the course of a weekend. So if he can just work on that consistency across the course of the weekend, then he'll be pretty strong. But from a rookie performance, he's had a pretty good year.
0: I've uh, I've said it before on this show, um, we've, we've had Bryce on NTI Inside the Series, our sister program we do for National Transport Insurance, who sponsored this show a couple of times this year and through the E-Series before it. And he's I've been really impressed with his interviews, the way he talks, and, and not just in the stuff he's done with us, but the, the TV chats and the features around the Darwin event. He, he's a really good character, great temperament. Really engaging young bloke and no doubt the speed is there and it will come when he gels. Um, The other one I wanted to talk about, and this is a pretty incredible story. So Scott Pye, before they returned to Sydney, uh, before they got to Darwin, actually one top five finish for the season so far, which was the third race in Sydney Motorsport Park 2. Since then, he's gone third, 16, 22, 13. So they weren't great. The last two races in Darwin 1 and then the first race in Darwin 2. Since then, he's gone third, third, ninth, ninth, sixth, ninth, sixth, fifth. And he's stormed his way up to 11th in the championship. He's 50 points out behind Dave Reynolds. He's having a shocker. This has been a really, really impressive story. And perhaps more so the fact that he and Mark Winterbottom are really sharing the load at Team 18 and Team Charlie. And the results they're doing, Mark, that's been a standout for mine for the last couple of weeks.
3: And so they should too. I mean if they are full-spec AAA cars, if Charlie has dollied up and got the full package there, Mm. if he's getting all the data off AAA, which he probably would be, those cars should be doing well. Because obviously the the lead cars are doing well too. And they'd know exactly what is going in to the settings on those cars. So I I think you expect it. They're not absolute nuffies there. You look at what Van Giz used to be able to do in the Techno car when he was in a very similar situation with the good spec car and all the data from AAA. So... They're starting to hit their stride. I mean, obviously last year with Frosty, they were sharing the boom down there with uh, Techno and it was just a mess. Like they weren't getting their pit stops right and they've bitten the bullet and gone to two cars so they can absolutely control their own destiny. But there's a lot of smart operators there. There's a lot of really experienced guys. There's a whole lot of guys from the old Nissan Motorsport side of things that have migrated over there and they they work well as a unit. So it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that Team A18 and have their finger pulled out at the moment and uh, scoring a whole heap of points. And they're right up there in the team's points right? up there. Yeah, yeah, feet. they're fit. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah,
4: Having a killer year there. And uh, you're probably going to bring it up earlier, but Erebus has dropped down to eighth just to yeah. give that context. So it's, and there's like 40 points between fifth and eighth at the moment. That mid-pack battle is pretty crazy. But if I could pick one area where Scott Pye is starting to improve and it almost works exactly what we're saying about Fabian Coulthard. If Fabian's gone down and Scott's going up at the moment, it's Phil Key. Yep, Phil Keed is a really good operator. He has amazing experience from working over. It's exactly what Mike was saying. They've got some very good people in there at the moment at Team 18, and Phil's one of them. He's just started working very closely with Scott Pye. Uh, he's on the radio to him. He's making the calls for him. And from that moment where you said he you had the one top five from Sydney and they've worked together from Darwin through to Townsville, look what's happened to Scott Pye. And as soon as they can figure out qualifying, they're going to be very, very strong. And you know what? We're going to a race in a few weeks' time where qualifying isn't going to be that important as yeah. it has been in the last few weeks. Scott goes very well there. He's going to have an experienced co driver with him. Uh, it's Steve Fiore, isn't it? Who's driving yep. that car. And yep. So that's a pretty good combo all of a sudden. Phil Keith calling the shots. Frosty as a teammate. Team 18, if they can get their pit stops together for six, seven, eight times a day at Bathurst, they're going to be pretty strong.
0: Um, go, Mark.
3: Oh. Bathurst is just going to be such a wild card, though, isn't it? I mean, everyone's just coming in so green and raw. It, you got the feeling it could be a bit of 2014 all over again, just a, an absolutely crazy race where anything can happen. Actually, I'm am Bathurst, we were talking about this the other day, Richard. Have we figured out how we're going to get all the officials there? Because it takes a lot of officials to make Bathurst work. Mm. And typically, a lot of them come from interstate. Uh, I'm really interested to see how they're going to make it all work and make that event happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Don't know. I I know personally 30 or 40 that come from South Australia where I am that won't be able to get there unless the New South Wales borders are open by the third week in October. And to be fair, New South Wales has done a super job lately with with their management of their COVID-19 cases. So the longer they can make sure there's no community transmission, I think the borders are more likely to open both to SA and to Queensland, where a bulk of those officials could come from. Unfortunately, I think Victoria's out of the question. So, look, there are a lot of great motorsport people in New South Wales. So, I'm sure they'll be right, but it's going to be a compromise. But then this whole year's been a compromise with things like that. Um, Talking about Bathurst, though, Chad, I know you're not much of a gambler, but um, you chuck a... You'd chuck a, a sneaky few bucks on Nick Perkett and Tom Randall at the moment, wouldn't you?
4: Yep. They are a very, very good chance at a good result. Um, Nick's qualifying very well, so a great potential for them to be off a pretty good spot for the race. Tom, excellent co driver. BJR, maybe the best in pit lane. Certainly they'd be up there. Yeah. Uh, and it would just be the Cinderella story if there's going to be one nice thing to happen in 2020, let it be peach hour. That
0: would be, it would make all the damage and the heartbreak Brad suffered as well. um, Worthwhile.
4: Only only thing there is race pace. Like, yeah, they can qualify and they can put the thing in a good spot, but uh, can they, can they run 161 laps with the Mm. speed of Red Bull or, or Shell? I mean, we saw they started in front of those cars the other day and, a few laps later, they were five, six seconds behind them. Yeah. So can they do it across the whole day? Plus it's going to be on hard tires, which is a bit of a wild card given this year.
3: Todd Hazelwood pole position. How good. Good story. Mega. Wasn't just it
0: great?
4: Front row BJR, just mega. Mm. What a cool, cool story that is at the moment. Uh, Todd's a good little qualifier actually. And he's actually really handy on street circuits.
0: Mm. Well, i yeah. at a shootout at Adelaide last year yep. in the uh, MSR car. Yeah. Cool. It's a good story. And that, the The reaction, it's so good when you see that raw emotion of grabbing a pole or a win for the first time. We saw it in the Grand Prix on Sunday night and I'll touch on that in a minute. But um, yeah, it's a super story. And and we the, the Todd Hazelwood story has been well told and we've told it on this podcast. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it, it doesn't cease to get old in my eyes with the, the journey that they've taken to get to this point. And the fact that he's now feeling like a semi-regular contender for podiums and potentially a win at some point just for mine is everything that's good about supercars because while we complain about others some complain about the dominance of the two best teams in the sport as they should by the way because they're the best teams in the game there's still that hope when you go into a race that a BJR will pop up and do something genius or Scott yeah. Ty will do something amazing or Reynolds will pull something out of the hat or Chaz so Supercars probably lacked that last year with all the various parody dramas going on and the various politics, but it's there this year. And I think that's one of the great outcomes of this reshuffled calendar and the formats and everything that's gone on. That's just been um, outstanding. Uh, I want to get both of your opinions on support categories because I know it's close to both of your heart. And Chad, I hope we're back calling Carrera Cuppet around at some point in the oh, near yeah. future because uh, I've missed that this year. But um, We've, we've enjoyed it. Like they've made the power rankings. I think every week in the four weeks on the racetalk.com is something to do with the support category. So the Darwin stuff was mega Townsville tin tops. Great. And this time the Hyundai excels, Mark, I know they're close to your heart. Like they <laughs> are mine. Uh, they rolled out and caused carnage.
4: <sighs> yes.
0: we, we should point out that, that the biggest accident of the weekend was caused by a car carrying the racetalk.com stickers. <laughs> Yeah,
3: Brett Parrish absolutely fenced Will Brown, which was a shame. Uh, My other takeaway from that weekend, and I know you two probably have to commentate with him at some stage, was Paul Morris and his cheerleading out there for certain cars that he's associated with. And I kind of felt for uh, Knuckles Nolte there. It was almost sort of having to apologise for some of the commentary that was going on. It was pretty wild. The the internet lit up, and a lot of the competitors who are reasonably familiar with the situation going on, uh, he was giving a lot of uh, interesting calls. His opinion, he went full dude, like he just went out there and and said it like it is, and that's his way. And but it was weird. It, it graded a lot of people the wrong way. uh he had a lot to say about Cam Wilson, who actually won the weekend overall, one thousand dollars for winning the Hyundai World Championship <laughs> up there. <clears throat> gave him a whole heap of references, but I remember August last year, myself, Cam, sitting down with Nash, going through his data and through his video in the back of uh, the, the Morris truck there at Morgan Park, and it was just like, whoa, this is this is bizarre. I, I wondered what Cam had done to him in the meantime, but um, there you go, that's something that's happened, and everyone was there watching it, and some people were a bit upset about it.
4: I, I've been lucky enough to share the box with uh, the dude a few times. Thoroughly enjoyed those occasions because he definitely says things on air that no one else is brave enough yes. to say. So yes. tick one for that, which is a reason why um, I do enjoy hearing him on air. I get the point. Um, and I reckon he's, he's the kind of guy who's intelligent enough that if you just had a word to him about it, he'd probably cut back on doing a little bit of that stuff. Uh, he gets so passionately into it that I reckon a little bit of that stuff shines through. So I think that's probably more what it is. If someone just has a word to him and says, all right, well, let's just make sure we don't try and do that next time. Try and cut back on a bit of that cheerleading as it was called. Um, But he, he can come up with some really funny things on air to say. Uh, So it's certainly not a let's not have him back scenario, more a let's see if we can coach him into Mm. the right sort of way. Remember when he was um, he was in pit lane for the twenty must have been twenty fifteen Bathurst one thousand the, the year the supergirls were there yeah and you're he, right and it was there was he provided the first ever fly on the wall coverage of Renee Gracie you know she just got out of the car she'd fenced it she was angry and he was down there sort of half coaching her a little bit cheerleading may I even say but also half doing an interview at the same time and it actually made for pretty interesting TV. Mm. But I do agree with what you're saying. When you've got guys that are out of the stable, it was a little bit obvious that he was yeah. thinking at home like a racehorse. But um, it's, worth it. it's worth having a chat to me about it, I
0: think. The, the supports thing, boys, has been interesting though, hasn't it? To see these state-level categories and some state-level competitors get a shot to run on the big time. And just as a result of the schedule, get some TV out of it as well. I think it's been a massive boost for club-level racing. That, yes. that from an exposure point of view, certainly that they wouldn't have ordinarily got because you and I would have been sitting there, Chad, calling Carrera Cup, which was due to be at Townsville this year.
4: Yeah, so, which certainly um, isn't grassroots, but no uh, all the same. Maybe a bit of a mix. I think you do need your top dogs—the Super Two, your Carrera Cups, yeah, 86 is the big stuff. Um, but it is definitely cool to watch a bloke with the car that is built in his shed roll it out and have a crack. Um, I think. If you're going to do it, it has to be a race. Like I'm not a big fan of regularities and you know racing yeah. and things like that. And there yeah. needs to be a level because there was some dudes a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that were dropping some stuff on the track and <laughs> blowing stuff up. So you need to be a little bit careful with some of that stuff. Um, we don't want it to look. I know this sounds horrible. We don't want it to look too amateur. This is still the big the big show, the big dance yeah. of Australian motorsport. But there's nothing wrong with giving a bit of airtime to the grassroots stuff because ultimately companies like Toyota, that's exactly where they come and play. They Mm. want to be grassroots. You
3: know, you go back to the 80s and Channel 7 on a Sunday afternoon, you'd have the Amps car from Amaru Park and it used yes. to just be all runners would, would get a gig. But back then, you didn't have the number of touring series. You didn't have the professionalism in the undercard that we have today and the big money. Having Toyota, having Porsche, having all these big companies invest in these uh, touring national categories that fill the undercard, they went around back in the day. But now they're there and it's just a, a weird scenario that we found ourselves in. Here in 2020, and we're going to see some more amateur stuff coming up at the Bend to support there. Who knows what's going to happen at Bathurst? But, uh, say know,
4: that. yeah, I
3: mean, <laughs> Bathurst, you're going guys
4: had their time in the sun already. Wait till Bathurst happens and they're yeah. on the, the biggest day of Australian motorsport, rolling around in their home built, you know, homemade escort.
0: Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just. Yeah, get the cameras ready at McPhillamy Park and Skyline I and it could be fairly, <laughs> yeah, they, fairly scary. The,
3: <laughs> the, the Queensland Hyundai's can make it to the bend so long as they go via Mount Isa. Yeah,
0: correct. i have a think a, about that. There's a bunch of them coming down. We can confirm that, I think, exclusively on TRT. It's a 44-hour uh, drive, Richard. Yes, I know, but there are several of them coming down, Mark, for it. There are possible the driving
4: down from Townsville via the middle of the country.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and... Um, the tin tops are running at the bend as well, uh, on the first week. So that'll be on the international track. And, um, I, my understanding is that they're almost sold out in terms of capacity. Wow. So I think the Mark cars are coming down and I know McElroy sending some cup cars down. Um, I was chatting to Mark Buick over here, who runs Carrera cup cars, G3 cup cars in SA, and he's had eight drivers rock up saying, Oh, I want to run my car. And Mark's going, I don't know if I can run eight cars in a single race meeting. So, cool. um, it's dragging people out, which is fantastic. So those fields are going to be full at the bend on both weekends, which is brilliant. It's going to be really good. Um, what else has struck fancy boys I often throw it open at this point, just to see what's on your minds. What, uh, Chad, you're, you're on the show for the first time. Yeah. What, what else has struck your fancy in the last couple of weeks? What do you want to talk about?
4: Um, well, we touched on it earlier, but the, the Zoom press conferences have actually been a lot of fun and have really hit the mark. Mm. Uh, granted, it was because they were watching something of a train wreck the other day, but <laughs> um, we, Sunday's press conference has had 93,000 views on Facebook. Find wow. me a press conference that we've ever done that's had that many views. So but usually like clearly, 20. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: The numbers aren't that high, that's for sure. So they've been going out live, which has been cool. Uh, it's rolling with the times and making the best of the situation that we've got. So, we're doing it via Zoom like we are right now, but we're also throwing it open to get questions from the fans. So, we've made it interactive. Um, so, that's been one thing that um, I've enjoyed doing over the last few weeks. Granted, I haven't had too much to do. So, I'm setting the bar particularly low here, but uh, that has been uh, a really cool, innovative way of getting the fans involved in another level of sport.
3: A uh, disappointing thing for me was Supercast tracks on the weekend. I sat through the whole thing and there were no bombshells <laughs> at the end of it. So that was uh, <laughs> yeah. a bit of a bummer. Uh, well,
2: for, it was my... of they did the week earlier worked.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the thing for mine is going to be the bend. How do you reckon it's going to play out? Because the first year at the Bend, it was all triple eight. The, the guys shared the win Saturday and Sunday. Last year, they were p nowhere. Were they having a bit of a fox for aero, which has been what's been touted around the, the world since then? And, and last year, the Mustangs were the go. So this is going to be the decider. We've had really good parity all year so far. But this is the first time we're getting to a Bend-style track uh obviously we had the test day there but these cars would have evolved a whole lot since then with this uh new spring uh, new damper package for 2020
4: yeah good point i guess maybe if you go back to albert park and look at the qualifying results it might be the closest thing but again that was march and the world has changed let alone the supercars package since then yeah
0: yeah it's going to be interesting I, i and it hasn't been officially announced yet but i'd put quite a lot of cash on the fact that they'll be running two two tracks in yeah. two weeks. So the West, you know the second that. week. that's, that's yeah. a fact. One, of them, one Which, of them is going to be the
4: short circuit. They got to run them on the short circuit.
0: The, the, mate, the West track, I, I think once they've raced supercars on that, they'll never go back. So,
4: so sorry, just to spell this out, the, the, the West track is the short circuit. Yeah. The
0: West track is the short circuit. Yeah. International is the one that we've run there for supercars. So the international track with that really fast flowing turn, Seven, eight, nine, ten complex down the hill, amazing bit of road, yeah. and we've we've had not a dud Carrera Cup race on that racetrack since the circuit opened, and the same could be said for GT and cars with aero um, or cars with much less grip. So Super Three last year was extraordinary there, um, but the supercars with the hard tyre don't suit that that circuit it's a fact and they didn't produce that very good racing the west circuit i think is more like townsville to be perfectly honest um long front straight uh big heavy stop at turn one a couple of quite fast bits so turn five remains the same but basically instead of that turn six hairpin which is sort of 160 odd degrees back on itself uphill you blaze downhill into a really tight it's more than a hundred degree right hand corner so it's a really tight right-hander that will be a great overtaking opportunity lots of opportunity to fire down the inside and it will change completely change the character of the racing at that venue so i'm really interested to see how that works week to week and if that has a shift in form so you talked before chat about wau struggling on those style of circuits so they may be nowhere in week one but this fundamental change week to week assuming it happens which it will um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they, could pop, they could pop out Hey Sam, if you're listening uh, They could pop out um, week two and be very, very competitive I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out Because it's a first We've never done this before in supercars Go back to back at the same venue But different layouts in the space of two weeks
4: Yeah, it's a shame the short circuit at SNP Wouldn't provide a better race if we were to do it A lot of people say, oh, let's do it, let's do it But it quite rightly gets probably down. Uh, where this is a genuine chance to move to a shorter circuit and provide better racing. So you've got to say that's definitely going to be a win-win if we do it.
3: It's sort of what we dreamed about when there was no racing and we were thinking of bubbles and how we're going to get this done. You know, if we go and camp up at the bend, we can run all these different tracks and have all these different styles of race playing. So that's cool. It's not the East Circuit. So the East Circuit's the one that wobbles around the back of the GT track, isn't it? Correct.
0: Yeah. How would that go? Uh, you wouldn't race the supercar on it and the pit lane, cause it's got a completely separate pit lane. So yeah. the, the, which couldn't do pit stops. So that, that's a club track for, for Porsche club, ran a sprint out there two weeks ago, um, and loved it while something else was going on, on the West circuit. So they were running both at once, which is what it was designed to do. Um, that I, I, part of me wanted them to run the full 7.7 K GT circuit which is what Asian Le Mans raced on at the start of the year. And it's just epic. It really is an amazing circuit when it's all in one lap. Um, like a supercar would be well over three minutes around that joint though. Jeez. Yeah, it would be, um, it would <laughs> be, <laughs> be pretty, pretty rad. <laughs> it
4: was 30 As, minutes cuter.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know. Would, wouldn't it? Well, you could release one car while the other one, just after he started his hot lap.
4: Pretty much. For yeah, I, I'm... We get this with our fans a lot as well. Like there's a big thing about the, the fan base. They go, Oh, the bigger the track, the better.
0: No, it's, and I think
4: that's in reality, Bathurst is just two Ks of great road and then four Ks of drag strips, which is what makes it so bloody awesome. The, the smaller tracks we go to typically are the better ones. Ones with a little bit of a, a you know, a bit of throttle and a big stop always provide good racing.
0: I, I will pick it in the streets if they try and change Simmons planes, for example. Yeah. Like Extending that, it
4: doesn't make it better.
0: No, nah. No, I yeah. agree with that. It's, it's the format good. that
4: makes it good. The completely. fact that there's big breaking zones and a couple of exciting corners
0: is all you need. Uh, we should talk, touch, we'll touch briefly on the Grand Prix on Sunday night. <laughs> and I, I know Mark was asleep, but, um, Mark, <laughs> but Chad, uh, you, like me, got drawn into it. And uh, good old Formula One puts on five or six reasons. Well, actually, to be fair, the last two races have been average. Yeah. Um, and just when you think, oh, I'll watch the first couple of laps and go to bed. Uh, and then Formula One, it, like the tease that it is, just throws the fishing rod out and goes, do you know what? We're going to screw Lewis Hamilton over and we're, we're going to have a massive shunt and we're going to throw a completely random winner up. Just just that once. So we're back to being engaged and hooked with it for another six weeks and we'll deal with a couple of boring races again to know that it happened. But it was a really, really cool motor race. Great result for Gasly, which is an amazing story and, and science pushing him hard. I, I loved every aspect of that race. And it's hard to say that about Formula One a lot these days.
4: Had Magnussen broken down like 300 metres later yeah, and crawled into pit lane, <laughs> that would never have happened. Mm. Hamilton was like 15 seconds clear after 13 laps or something. Yeah. The other way around. He was gone. And with the other Merc buried in the pack, he was going to lap a lot of cars. And what ended up transpiring, the flap of the butterfly's wing in Formula One was just (laughs) fascinating. It's Mm -hmm. like Anton hitting the fence on the weekend. That's what caused the current, you know, little fire that's now burning between Van Gisbergen and McLaughlin. It's so funny how motorsport can do that. So the question is, Krause and Mark, do you write in the regs for these things to happen by putting it in... you know, know, WWE or NASCAR style to say, right, here's a caution flag. We know this is going to happen. Here's a reverse grid race. that we know the excitement's going to happen. Or is it more exciting to let it happen genuinely?
3: I think you'd have to let it happen genuinely. I I tweeted something the other day saying we need competition cautions, but like everything in my life, it was sarcastic and no one understood my sarcasm. It doesn't translate to Twitter very well. Uh, (laughs) The thing I wake up and I thought I was hacked. I've Mm. I've looked up the results. It's like, nope, been hacked. This is no good. Then I watched the six-minute highlight on the F1 Facebook and it's like, nope, still doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Watch the half-hour one.
0: Nope, still doesn't make sense. I'll just go and watch the whole bloody race. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, insane. Yeah, it was super. What it did prove to me, and I put a tweet out during the race. Again, my F1 tweeting is often quite sarcastic, but it was serious. (laughs) It was like, guys, this happens in an IndyCar race almost every week. Yeah. Um with with different people up the front. What it proved is that this year the mid-pack battle, so outside of Mercedes, everyone is so close. Yeah. So and and the, the car in third behind the two Mercs has been a red redboard's by McLaren. It's a racing point. It was an alpha Tauri Um, and if you have that competitive balance, you will get varied results. Supercars is proof positive of that. We've just talked about it. Um and that result. That Grand Prix was proof that if you remove the Mercedes from the equation, the racing's bloody good and varied, and different winners and great results pop up. So it's just proof that they've got to get these 2022 20, regs right so that they can equal the competitive balance at least a little bit in the field. And, and it will offer up more of this naturally.
3: How yeah. is it that the team formerly known as Minardi have won at Monza yeah. as many times as Ferrari have since FedEL won that time? Yep.
4: Yeah. Crazy. Hey? Yeah, what a place! And that's exactly why I watch that race because it's Monza. It's unmissable. Even if the last few races have been, you know, as boring as you could possibly imagine, you know that something always happens with Monza. I was expecting it to maybe be a Merck on Merc battle, which would always good to watch anyway. But I don't think anyone saw that coming clearly.
3: Uh, are they off to Fiorano now? Uh,
0: Magello, Magello, sorry, yeah, yeah that's yeah. going to be a bit weird, <clears throat> isn't it? How do Bruno. you think that's going to play? Just half expect Valentino Rossi to pop up halfway through. Yeah.
4: <laughs> expect them to be going bloody fast down that front straight. That's...
3: <laughs>
0: so you're the um, Moto, you're the Moto GP fan amongst us, Chad. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I know you yeah. ride the roller coaster closer than I do. Well, I mean, that's the, the pinnacle for bikes, isn't it? That place.
4: It is. It is. It's their temple of speed. And Assen, Assen's mm. the other, oh, one of course, gets close to being TT. Yeah, being the as prestigious as Mugello is. Uh, but it's certainly the fastest in terms of straight line speed. I mean, average speed. I think Austria and Philip Island are the two quick joints. But Mugello is frightfully quick. Um, the problem is after turn turns one in the last corner, there's some pretty good passing opportunities. But... There's not a lot between the yeah. first corner and the last corner for an F1 car. Yeah. A good reason why we'll, we'll probably get through the the one and go, you know what? I understand why we've not raced here before. Yeah. <laughs> but it's <laughs> F1 and Magello, so who really cares? We'll enjoy it this one time.
0: Yeah, it'll be good to experience, but um, tick the box and then go, okay, well, we've tried that. Yeah. It was nice yeah, to yeah, see it. Yeah, put that but... one
4: back in the bed, I think. Yeah. But there should be some pretty cool stuff going on that front straight because it's very quick. And it's not a front straight. It's actually quite a bit of a kink to it and a hill. So it's, it's a little bit more exciting than just gunning the thing for 1.5 mm. Ks or whatever it is.
0: Love it. Good stuff. Boys. I think, uh, I think we've reached the time limit that um, we don't actually have a time limit. So I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> the time limit we... that
4: anyone would actually humanly listen. Correct. to. Correct.
0: So oh, if, yeah. if you've stuck through it this long, congratulations to you, um, Chad, thanks for jumping on, mate. We really appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Hope things are going right. okay over there in Victoria. And um, I know there's a slightly blurry, um, Roadmap to get out of where you guys are now, but hopefully that happens quicker rather than, um, rather than longer for you. And we can uh, get back to a racetrack soon.
4: Thank you, mate. Uh, yeah. I just, what do you even say about that? Like it's, I hate the saying it is what it is, but it is, it is what it is. And um, unfortunately it's probably going to cost a few people in Victoria, the chance to go to, to places like Bathurst this year, which is sad, but in the grand scheme of things, there's so much more important stuff going on in the world. So Uh, look forward to 2021, mate, because I think that's going to be a big, big year for everyone. It's going to be a big old party going on next year, I hope, if we can just get over the hump.
0: Yeah, agreed with you. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, Mark Walker, thank
3: you. No, thank you, Richard. Uh, After four weekends of wearing that groove into the couch, I don't
0: know what I'm going to do (laughs) with myself this weekend. (laughs) Well,
4: Well, thankfully for me, Premier League starts. It leads you to the the Premier League this weekend. This is
0: a soccer-free show, I'm sorry. Perfectly timed, mate. Perfectly timed. Chad, I'd just like to point out that the Hyundai XLs on the weekend outrated the A-League Grand Final on free-to-air TV. I am just going to. I'm just going to leave it there with you. So um, you know, he, I think that was all the dude. I'm going to say all dude. You put the dude on the A-League Grand Final. All the ratings. Watch those numbers. Oh, He'd he tell them what's going on. You <laughs> oh, that, that guy's staging. No doubt about it. Boys, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, Tony Shebeki will be back next week. Uh, the great man will return to drive uh, the ship forward for On The Grid next week. Thanks to everyone for listening. We're going to leave you with something I recorded on the weekend. It's a minute and a half of Cosworth Formula One cars pounding around the Bend Motorsport Park. We're going to leave you with that. Thanks for listening to On The Group. We'll see you next week. Bye for now.